Welcome to Crossroad Church's Sermon of the Week podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Bob Ellis. Welcome to Crossroads Church. Glad that uh, you were able to join with us. As always, it's it's good to to be with you, and thank you for allowing us uh, to uh, to share a few moments with uh, what God's putting on our heart, whether that be through the worship or through the message. Today, I'm going to be speaking out of First Timothy chapter six, verse six. First Timothy chapter six, uh, verse six, and just to set it up, just a, a tad. There was, you have Paul who is writing the letter to Timothy. Timothy is a young pastor. Um, He has been put in charge of a church. He had been mentored by Paul. And so Paul is, as I've said many times over and over again, uh, his, there's many claims to fame, but the fact that he's penned over two thirds of the New Testament that, that contain these instructions and reminders and and um, an encouragement for the church. Um, it, it stands as the great council, and Timothy's receiving it firsthand. And so I'm going to start there, uh, there at uh, verse 2. Um, it says, these, things, these are things you are to teach and insist on. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means of financial gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Um, I, Paul starts off by saying, and he's he's definitely has already talked five chapters and some ver- and, and a verse before that, and he says these things I I insist that you teach, and so we can't get into all of that, and we can't necessarily get into Second Timothy where he writes a follow up letter, but what Paul is instructing here, he says, church, you need to insist on these things, and um, when when someone insists. Usually people have two reactions. When, when someone insists, oh, I, I need you to do that, um, you better do that. Just it really it can come across as I, I'm not going to do it. And, and or, oh, will you go ahead of me? I insist. So it can it can take on um, based on the context. It can mean different things. And people's reactions can be one or two. Like, yeah, OK, I'm going to I'll take you up on that or. Who are you to tell me what to do? Well, we know who he, who he is telling, telling Timothy what to do. And Timothy knew who he was. And he's like, okay, this is, this is Paul. And Paul's saying, I need to insist on a few things. And, and then he zeroes in here at the end of this, uh, this chapter, or rather the middle of this chapter. And, and he talks about, and I thought it was really interesting. He says, but godliness with contentment is gate is great gain. Um, over the years, I've, I've 
tried to preach on what it means to to live a holy life. Does that mean perfect? Nah, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says, and and but He says, "Be holy as I am holy." And so, this idea of godliness or righteousness—these are words we've heard. But the word here for for godliness is eusebia. Eusebia is the Greek word, and and it and it's really two words that come together. And the one is the the Eu or the EU uh, for the Greek. Um, I'm definitely transliterating here, but that would mean to be well or or done well. And then the second word was worship. Um, and so you get them together and it's Eusebia. And so here's where we get well worship or godliness. And so so let's let's break that down literally. He says to Timothy, he says, Timothy, you need to insist on these things. You need to be teaching that if people aren't doing these things, they start going after other things. They start quarreling over things. They start fighting over things. They start having evil suspicions. They start having friction with others. They start splicing words and 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 trying to have arguments over everything. And, and in fact, he says, this takes people away from the truth, not towards the truth. He says, but well done worship or godliness with contentment is great gain. What is what is well done worship? Um, there's there have been times as a as an early pastor I remember saying, "Well, that was a good worship service. Good music. I think the preaching was okay. Um, people talked and welcomed one another. Hey, that was good worship." And then there were other days that things didn't go so well. Maybe. Maybe the note-taking guide had errors in it, or, or maybe I misspoke, or, or maybe the worship band broke a chord, I mean a string on the guitar, or uh, the drums didn't work, or I guess drums always work because you just have to hit them, right? They might not uh, be in rhythm, but that's the, the, the hitter and uh, the drummer and not the, the drums, but we never really had that problem. But I guess you could say that maybe the band wasn't in time or in key, or maybe there's a bad day where all the things aren't working together. Maybe people are grumpy and they don't shake each other's hands. And, and you look back and you say, that was a bad day of worship. But I don't think that's what he's talking about here. He says, but godliness or well-done worship with contentment is great gain. And I think there's where we start seeing a little bit of the key. And, and I'll get to that, that other word here in a second. But he talks about great gain and, um, and, and what... You, what happens when you mix those two together? But let's just look a little bit about about godliness and and this word about worship that it's 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 a derivative of. And there's a couple times that pops up in the New Testament, and it's in the one is in Acts chapter thirteen verse fifty, where the Bible says, "But the Jews incited the devout Eusebia, or the, I think that one is just the second part of the word, the Sabia, if I'm pronouncing it right, uh, women of prominence and the leading men of the city." and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of the region. So it says the, 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 the Jewish leaders there started to, they, they incited a fight against those who were the godly women, um, the women who were, were worshiping God. And it also talks about the, the leading men or the prominent men in, in the city. And they, they worked them against uh, they worked against Paul and Barnabas to the point where that Paul and Barnabas were driven out of the town. You remember, they would go from town to town and, and teach the words of God and try to instruct people in how to follow Christ. But it says that 
that these people who were worshipers of God, or these women here who were worshipers of God, were led astray. Now, there's another passage in, in Acts chapter 16, verse 14, that says a woman named Lydia was listening. Paul was, was speaking. And, and she was a seller of purple fabrics in the city of Thyatira, a worshiper of, uh, worshiper of God, or that word Sabia, uh, Eusebia. Um, And it says, the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things of God. So we see two different examples of people who are worshipers uh, of of God. You have those who worship God, but who are led astray. And then you have Lydia here as an example. Now, both words are being used for worshipers. Um, And and Lydia here, it says, God opened her heart uh, to the things Paul responded. Still, same Paul in in both verses. Paul is in two different places. He's speaking. There are worshipers in the one part that were led astray, and this other worshiper named Lydia listened. And, and so there, there is a, right here we start to see that, that there is good worship, well done worship, which is, which is Eusebia, and then there's bad worship. There's worship that gets it all wrong. And, and as I was looking at that, I was thinking, man, How many times have I gotten it wrong? How many times have I gotten worship wrong? Where I thought it was supposed to be one way or another. Or I thought if I just did a few things the right way, it would be be worship. It would be accepted. Paul writes to the church and he does this through Timothy. And he says to Timothy, Timothy, I insist that that you, you teach these things. And one of these things that he teaches on later is... That godliness is, worship can happen, but it can be good or bad. But true godliness with contentment is great gain. Um, He says that there's something about this formula, when you put it together, it leads to something amazing. Uh, it's obvious here that when Paul was ran out of this region in, in, in the reference in Acts chapter 13, something happened where these worshipers of, of God started listening to false teachings. They started uh, dividing up words. And as he even mentioned here to Timothy, they started quarreling and, contra- and the controversies ar- arose. And then what they do, they just ran him out of town. But then here on another occasion, they're worshiping God or Lydia was worshiping God. And she responds. The Lord opens her heart. And, and, but what, what, what's it going to take for good worship? Well done worship. The scripture says a little later on, he writes another letter to Timothy. And he says this, but realize this, that in these last days, difficult times will come. For people will be lovers of self, lover of money, boastful, arrogant, slanders, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, you're getting these adjectives here, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding on, and then this is really where he gave all these other descriptions, but he said this, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such people as these. So Paul writes to Timothy and he says, they're going to be people who look like this. And he has this whole list and we're not going to get back into that. But I would encourage you to look at it. 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5. And he says, they might have a form of godliness or a form of worship. They may even say, hey, I'm religious. 
or, or, or I'm a Christian, or I go to church once in a while, or I think I have a Bible dusty somewhere that I think my grandma read. Um, and, and, and then we listen to that and think, oh, they're, they're godly. Uh, maybe they dress a certain way. Maybe they say just the right things at just the right time. But Paul says, avoid Timothy, avoid these people who have the wrong type of worship, whose worship is, is not well done. He says, what's happened is their worship has denied the power of God. He says, avoid them. Well, well, what would the power of God be if it didn't transform? He, he lists all these, these really nasty habits. Godliness should change us. Oh, I, I think we, we, we will fall. We will sin. But I tell you, I, I, think, I think as we see Scripture here, it says there should be a power that changes us. We should start, let's say you lose your temper, you should get better at it. Um, you, you, instead of gossiping, hey, did you hear what so-and-so did? And did, can you believe they said that to the boss? I mean, have you ever you know, realized, no, I'm just sharing something that happened. No, sharing is gossiping. It can happen, and we've done it. Um, people who don't want to reconcile with other people, I mean, yes. Reckless behavior. I mean, there's all these little things in here, and, and, and Peter was telling, I mean, Paul was telling Timothy, he says, Timothy, if, if they act like they're godly or they're worshipers of God, and yet these things aren't changing and being transformed in their lives, then avoid them because they're not truly worshiping or well-done worshipers of God. And, and he says, he says in this passage, going back to 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says, he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So you've got this well-done worship, he says, but it's mixed with contentment because really contentment is the glue that kind of keeps it all together. Contentment is what makes everything make sense in the first place because without contentment, then all these external things start to affect who we are and what we are and what we're trying to do. There's a story of a businessman who had everything, had no needs, really had no problems with anything. He could do anything he wanted to do. He could go anywhere he wanted to go, really was a man of means. But he wasn't happy. He was always worried. And one day he went to his psychologist. And he goes to the psychologist and he says, listen, I've got everything. I can buy anything. I can do anything. I have no wants. But I do have a weakness. He says, I worry about everything. I'm always worrying and I can't, I can't fix it. The, the psychologist said, come back tomorrow and I'll, I'll tell you what you need to do. Well, the next day he's he, he's anxious because that's what he does. He's a worrier, and he goes to goes back to the um, to the office of the psychologist. And instead of being in his office, the psychologist is is outside in the shrubs, and he's looking for something. And the businessman says, "What are you What are you looking for?" And he says, "I lost my ring." And he says, okay, I'll help you find it. And they're out there, and they're out there, and they're looking, and they're looking, and they're looking. Finally, the businessman says to the psychologist, he says. He says, where did you lose your ring? He said, I lost it inside in my dark office, but it's, there's more light out here. So I thought I'd look out here. Well, of course, this is nonsense. And the businessman said, why, are you, why don't you just go back in there? And, and he used that to teach the businessman. He says, that's your problem. You're looking in the wrong place for what makes you happy. You're looking outward. You're looking at the external things. You have everything you think you need, but on the inside, you're not right. See, contentment is what happens in here. 
And, and, and without it, without that contentment, then we're going to lack the power that we need to be the well-done worshipers that God has called us to be. There's a story about, or Jesus tells a story, uh, uh, an ancient parable. He tells a story in Matthew chapter 25 about the bridegroom and, and those people who are waiting for the bridegroom to show, to show up. And, and he talks about those who, who, he uses the illustration of those who have the oil for their lamps and, and that they're ready. And, and then there are these other ones who don't, they didn't prepare for, for the wait. And, uh, and, and I want to just kind of get to the verse where it says, however, the prudent ones answered, no, there, 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 cert- there most certainly would not be enough for us and for us and you too. Go ahead instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves. Because they were worried about they were going to run out if they were to share with the, with the ones who didn't prepare. And, and so that word is, the word we see here for enough is actually that word for contentment. So the bridegroom hasn't come yet, and you've got the 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 wedding party waiting for the bridegroom to show, and and that's and and he's telling the story, and and they're understanding it in their culture and their context, but they would have waited with oil lamps, and and one group was was prepared and had enough, and the others didn't, and they wanted to borrow from those who had prepared, and the ones who prepared said, no, no, if we give you what we have, we won't have enough for the wait. You need to go out and get your own. Well, you can imagine what happens when you go out and get your own, and then they miss the opportunity. And so it's the same Greek word for contentment, and, and it means enough. So, so think about this. He says, let's go back to that verse. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Well, worship with, with what you have. Enough leads to great gain. In other words, do you have enough? Do you have enough inside of you to get you through the night, to get you through that dark night of the soul that it's, it's been quoted as saying? Do you have enough to get you through when things aren't going well? Paul says to Timothy, he says, Timothy, godliness, well done worship with contentment is great gain. That's when you start making great progress. Um, your lack of con- your lack of of contentment my lack of contentment leads to those ungodly moments and for some it can lead to an ungodly life paul says avoid people who are ungodly who who aren't well done worshipers but now the opposite should also be true when you find someone who worships well you want to find you want to spend time with them. You want to learn how do they do it? And, and, and maybe how are they so content? There's another passage where Paul says, I've learned to be content in all circumstances, with much or with little, full or on an empty stomach. Contentment is found on the inside. We're not going to find contentment out there. We've got to do the inside work if we're going to understand what it means. Paul said to Timothy, he says, and Timothy, you need to insist on these things. So, so church, we need to insist. You might say, well, okay, I need to insist. No, you need to insist to me and I need to insist and insist to you that we live out this, that we live godly, well done worshiper lives. 
We walk around content because if not, we're going to be the slanders. We're going to be the gossips. We're going to be the arrogant, the boastful, the disobedient to our parents, the ungrateful. We're going to be the people without content. And we're going to be the ones in the night when the bridegroom comes, when Jesus comes and we run out of oil. Contentment is going to get us through till we see Jesus face to face. For more information about this podcast and other ministries, visit crossroadstx.church.